Good evening, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Futurati Podcast, where we dive into how emerging technologies will impact the world and your bank account. I'm Trent Fowler, and joining me as always is my co-host, Thomas Fry. Thomas and I are futurists, keynote speakers, and consultants with decades of experience in analyzing trends and communicating new developments to audiences across the world. Reach out to us at futuratipodcast.com slash contact dash Futurati if you'd like to hire us for consulting, to speak at your event, or to advertise on our podcast. So Thomas, we just wrapped up episode 118 with Alex Becker, who's building a really interesting drone company. What did you find most fascinating about this interview? Well, this is one of those business models where initially when you hear about it, you think, uh, oh, well, that's that's okay. But then after you get into it, then you start saying, oh, crap, that's going to be real interesting. And I'm going to see drones flying all over the place. And people are going to make a lot of money having drones flying around. And uh, I find this to be quite the interesting business model that I think is going to catch on and everybody's going to be talking about it like a year from now. Yeah, I had exactly the same reaction. That's a good way to characterize it. When he first explained it to me where you could rent space on a drone somewhere else, I was like, okay, okay, that's pretty cool. I could fly around the city a little bit. But the more I talked to him and the more I thought about it, I was like, well, but you could spin up a drone mesh and you could monitor infrastructure with it or you could monitor traffic patterns with it. You could probably throw some algorithms in there on the images or the, the video to identify things going on. Local news stations could, could rent the drones to get the scoop on a story before someone else. Like the more you think about it, the more you see that there's actually kind of a lot that you could do here. Like basically anywhere where you might want to have human vision, you can now do that at a distance and, and with lower cost. And because of the, of the fact that you can use multiple drones in coordination, you can use different kinds of apertures, which lets you capture, you know, LIDAR or lets you capture infrared. You, you actually can do really a lot of things that weren't possible before. Yeah. And just uh, if I go jogging at night, having a drone flying overhead that lights my path in front of me, that is just super cool. That is a, that is a cool one as well. Yeah. He, he talks about how it, it could be, you could summon an escort uh, from anywhere in the city yeah. and it could follow you around and shine a light on you and uh, you know, just make sure you get home safely, report an incident if anything happens. Uh, and, and given the way drone technology is progressing and getting cheaper and easier to use, I think there's really a lot of potential there. So you know, if, if you're an investor sort of person or a, a venture capitalist, something like that, I think you would find something very, uh, a potential goldmine here in this episode for sure. I think so. I think so. All right, so with, without any further ado, here's episode 118 with Alex Becker. Tonight, we're joined by Alex Becker. Alex is an entrepreneur, speaker, and technologist who invented remote mobile queuing, evolutionary marketing, and a powerful semantic search engine. His most recent endeavor is Drizzt, the world's first remote drone control and global vision platform. Introducing the shared economy to the drone industry, Drizzt multiplies the value of every drone, making it available to anyone anywhere in the world and allowing you to monetize your drone fleet. If you enjoy this interview, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. And don't forget to check out our website, futuratipodcast.com. Alex, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Let's hear a little bit about your background, your interests, and what brought you to working on the projects that you're working on today. I was born and raised in Argentina. I moved to uh, Boston to uh, go to MIT. Then I convinced my uh, future roommate at Caltech to uh, pick me up in Boston and drive with me across the country to come to California. So we took a five or six week journey across the US and Canada. And uh, I moved to California to get a PhD in neuroscience at Caltech. Um, and then I got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug, uh, as can happen in California, and uh, and I've never looked back. So um, so I'm a scientist, inventor, and entrepreneur. I'm the founder of Ulysses, a company that eliminates waiting in line by letting people join a virtual line from their phone and get notified as a turn arrives. And, um, and now, uh, more recently, I um, authored uh, 101 Clues to a Happy Life, which I wrote for my uh, three children as they uh, left for college. And uh, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Drizzt, uh, which is a company to do for vision what uh, Alexander Graham Bell's telephone did for speech to uh, give us global vision. 
So that's pretty grandiose. Could you tell us a little bit more about Drizzt and how you actually plan to Alexander Graham Bellinize vision? <laughs> sure. Um, so what we did is create a platform that allows people to fly a drone anywhere in the world from their phone or computer, no matter where they are. Um, and so that way we dissociated the need, uh, you know, the ability to, to fly a drone and see what's there uh, dissociated from where you are the same way that the telephone does for for speech between two people um and then the, the idea is to uh, for drizzt to become an airbnb for drones a place where people can connect their drones to the network the 99 percent of the time that they're idle and get paid by having other people fly them uh, and we've made it really safe to do that so can you explain some of the use cases where um, I might want to just uh, get a drone in St. Louis and fly it around and look at stuff there. Yeah, sure. There, there's lots of use cases. So one is you're considering buying, uh, you know, some uh, property there, house, and you want to either hunt around for a neighborhood you like or look at a specific set of properties you're considering. Uh, another one, um, and, and, and along that process, there's multiple use cases, like you actually want to do a home inspection or a roof inspection uh, and so on. Um, there's obviously the virtual tourism uh, case of like, uh, you know, I want to, uh, you know, I want to see Bali, uh, but I don't want to spend the time and money it takes to fly to Bali. Uh, so I'd like to fly around uh, the amazing, you know, waterfalls in Nusa Penida and the, 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 the cliffs and, and, and all that. Um, there's lots of business applications. So infrastructure monitoring for utilities, for telcos, for oil and gas, anybody who has infrastructure, and it's currently sending people to inspect them, you could be reviewing it from, from the office or home. Um, there are applications, lots of applications to security. Um, for example, we have uh, what we call the, the Drizzt Escort, which allows you, and, and this came about actually, my, my daughter is at Princeton University and uh, she was just visiting uh, home and I saw that, um, she told me that a student, it's a horrible story, it's a student had just uh, been found dead by the tennis courts, and um, she had um, she had disappeared a week before, uh, and so understandably, my daughter was upset and 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 you know sort of scared. So what um, I've uh, we've done is create a, a escort that you can summon uh, on request and say, hey, I want to have campus security escort me and uh, you know watch me while I go from A to B at night. Um, they're able to shine a light, to uh, spotlight, to keep the person illuminated. They're able to uh, emit sound through it if there's an incident that happens, so they can like let people know you're being watched. Um, and so that's another, you know, another application security in, in all kinds of uh, scenarios, including for uh, campus security. So um, if I and so, if, so if I wanted to go jogging at night, I could just hire a drone to follow me along and light the way in front of me. Exactly. Okay. Um, it seems like there's quite a few different use cases for this, um, but it would require a, kind of a certain category of drone. Um, do you, can you explain, um, are there different kinds of drones that can be used? You need certainly uh, enough flight time and enough battery uh, to carry it for a certain distance. How do you how do you decide which which drones to use? We support about eighty percent of the drones in the world, um, and the platform is uh, is in, in, in architecture drone agnostic, and so we could add any other model of drone, you know, upon request, uh, given the the right circumstances. Um, so yeah, there's the, the drone to be picked will will be picked by the user depending on what they want to do. If you know if it's a security use case where they want uh, a spotlight and a speaker. Then be one drone. Um, you know, sometimes if they all they need is a camera, it'll be another one. If they need infrared, um, you know, heat detection for oil, oil and gas leak detection, uh, then they can have that too. So, if I wanted to put one in my my backyard here, uh, how big a space do I need to put a drone in? Oh, tiny, tiny. The, 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 uh, you know, a, a drone can be you know like a foot square more or less, and it can take off vertically within that foot square. So you really need very little space. Okay. Now, I'm assuming that somehow it has to be able to fly in all weather conditions. Um, uh, yeah. It, when when the wind is blowing above a certain speed, I'm assuming that they can't can't fly. 
Um, but if it's uh, snowy or um, you, you got to make sure that you don't have a foot of snow on top of your drone. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll depend on the drone and the severity of weather. I, I've flown, uh, you know, a pretty inexpensive drone uh, in pretty uh, strong wind successfully. Um, and and it's, it's amazing how it can stick and hover in the same place. Uh, but that's not to say that there isn't, you know, obviously in a gale, uh, it would it would not be wise to fly it. Okay. Um, so the um, what what's the pricing model that you have in mind? And and then we we just wanted to go over a few of these before we actually do a flight here and show people that are uh, watching this what it, what it's like to fly one of these drones. But uh, what what kind of price models did you have in mind? Sure. So for for people who are sharing their drone for other people to fly, it's really the same model that Airbnb or Verbo or, or Booking.com has, where we really don't charge people anything. We give them the platform uh, for free as long as they make it a, a drone available to others, and then we just keep a, uh, you know a small percentage of the of the revenues that we make them. Um, if it's a B two B application where you know you know it's a utility company or or a, or a property real estate inspector or, or a construction and construction monitoring is another big use case. You know somebody like that who wants to use the platform to fly their own drones and, and keep the, the footage uh, private and, and you know sort of not make those drones available to the world, then it's a subscription fee. So it's it's a, it's, it's actually very affordable. It's just a subscription fee that they pay uh, on a monthly basis. Okay, that's really cool. Uh, I, I do have some questions. I want to follow up on some of that, but I figure we can go ahead and get to the fun part where you actually show us what this looks like. So you're going to share your screen. If you're listening at home, we're going to try to narrate it. Uh, it's going to be sort of like a mystery science theater 3000 uh, situation. Um, but it's pretty cool. I tried it out the other day and actually crashed the drone. So that <laughs> I'm told I told I broke new ground because nobody ever crashed the drone before. So, you know, I, I can put that on the resume. <laughs> Well, that, that was only because we did not set up a, a you know, a, you know it, we actually uh, have actually, you can't do what you did anymore. <laughs> I can tell you that. Okay. <laughs> Challenge accepted, Alex. Turn the yeah. controls over to me. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, okay. So let me, what I'm going to do first is as a drone owner, I turn uh, the live stream on uh, to make the footage uh, go live. Um, and then I turn uh, the, um, the remote commands on. So and this so there is we go. this I, is this is a location in Southern California. That's just for correct people to get correct. oriented a little bit. All right. So now now we're looking through the camera at the drone. I can just see it's kind of overcast in, in California. This appears to be a deck table of some kind. It's just the the vision from the drone. Correct. Uh, and and there we so go. yeah, and then it wiggles but and then takes off. So, so there we go. And so now we're going to go up. And you said this is the automated one, right? Are you flying this right now? No, no, I'm flying it uh, manually right now. Okay. And so what you're seeing right now is Pasadena City Hall, uh, that beautiful Spanish building over there. Yeah. Okay. And we can we can fly towards it. What 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 are the like the regulations on something like this? Can you just fly wherever you want to? Like, does the FFA or what FAA do, do they have nothing to say about? The limits oh, the FAA. Uh, no, the FAA definitely has things uh, to say about things. Since uh, so, first of all, you know, it needs to be in an area where you can't fly. So, for example, not next to an airport. Um, and then you need to keep the. Um, you need to have somebody uh, within line of sight to the uh, to the uh, drone, uh, or you need to get a waiver from the FAA. And the FAA does grant waivers for a whole bunch of uh, good reasons. Um, let, let me just, uh, you know, uh, and, and of course, FAA is in the US, right? You know, it's going to be different in different countries. There you can see Pasadena City Hall. I can also use the, the joystick to look down to, you know, look down at that park, for example. It's uh, concerts in the summer in that park in Pasadena. Um, I can look up again and say, yeah, you know, let's, let's go closer and look at that, uh, you know, a little closer at Pasadena City Hall, the beautiful Spanish building. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so we're going to do that. Um, and you can see that I'm controlling this as if it was a game with three joysticks. You know, I can go forward, I can go back, I can go right, left, uh, I can go up and down. 
And the drone owner can set a geofence to say, to create an area in which you can only go, you know, within that area, uh, making it really safe, right? So I can set a minimum altitude and say that you can't, uh, um, you know, go uh, beyond that. I'm gonna um, have it uh, come back now here, uh, return to home. Um, and then I'm gonna show you an automated, automated mission. Yeah, so it's coming back home. You can see there the California sunset starting to come. So the, um, there's there's got to be local rules about um, trying to peek into somebody's bedroom windows and things like that. Or is that is that okay in California now? It might be. We 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 did we do not endorse any peeking. So yeah, in terms of <laughs> uh, terms of service, one we'll allow that. And you know, oh, and okay. one of the beauties about the Drizzle platform is, is that you. Um, you know, you can ground a, a drone at any time uh, very easily, right, from software modeling. So it's much safer to have a drone on this platform where you can see exactly where it is at any time and, and ground it and so on than it is to have somebody flying a drone freely anywhere, right? Um, I see. Okay. So, um, so the drone is now uh, landing um, on its own uh, right where it took off from. So it's doing that right now. And once it lands, um, and we will take it out on automated mission. Now, automated missions essentially allow you to create, um, you know, a path that you want the drone to take with a series of waypoints, and uh, then um, configure a waypoint to if you want, um, so that you, you 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 tell it where to go and where to look at. It. So that's what we're going to do next. So as the drone owner, I'm now going to configure the drone for a mission. So give me just a second here. Uh, let me do that. You're listening at home. Alex just walked away from his computer, so we're just staring at it. Yeah, I think he, I think he actually went out to talk to the drone. Here we are. <laughs> we are ready. So I just, I just. All right. Okay. Did you did so, you give your drone a pep talk? Is that what you did? <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. So I'm going to go here to the mission, to a safe mission, and I'm going to load up a mission, the pilgrimage to St. Andrew's Church. Uh, and I'm going to assign that to my drone. There we go. We just assigned it to my drone. And so now that allows me to turn the, uh, um, you know, missions on. So, uh, to the... so what's, what's the total flight time you can get out of a, a drone before the battery goes dead? Um, it depends on the drone. You know, it can be half an hour. Um, it can be 40 minutes. That, that that I mean, it, there are uh, specialized drones that can go for longer, but the most um, common consumer ones is that's so, about the time. So so basically, less than an hour then. Yes. If I flew the drone close to its battery, would it ground itself? Uh, yes, automatically. Uh, when it if it loses connection or it starts to go low on battery, it will uh, come back to the to home. What sort of software is involved in this? I mean, did you write this yourself? Are these API calls? How did you set this up? Yeah, this was, I mean, not myself as not uh, me, Alex, but yes, uh, uh, we uh, drizz it. Uh, we set it ourselves. Um, okay, so we the mission is on now. So I'm going to go back to the dashboard and show you the, uh, the so we, we go, um, you know, we search for where we're looking for a drone. We find uh, drones there. In fact, we can let's zoom in, or even easier to go to the list and just select my drone. <clears throat> there we go. Control. There's a few options. I can control, or I can watch, or I can watch previous footage. So if I, you can have any number of people watching the footage in real time at the same time. And in this case, notice that there's a mission ID now uh, with six waypoints uh, and a speed and so on. And so I'm going to go ahead and um, click on uh, take off here, the button. And I can see the drone taking off. Uh, so that's what it's doing. Can, can you fight other drones? <laughs> we, uh, we have not done that. <laughs> um, but in principle, you could. Um, OK, so there's St. Andrew's uh, Church. So you can see the, the, the path. That red building, yeah. 
And okay. so it's program. It's my favorite church in Pasadena, and the mission is programmed to look at the church. So that's what it's doing. Um, and now it's headed towards Waypoint City, which is sort of around one of the corners around the church. Um, and so, you know, this this is a mission to the church and around the church, looking at the church. Um, and it's really easy to create these missions, right? It's just uh, you know, point and click for every place you wanted to look. Uh, to, to go and every place you wanted to look uh, and that's it then you select the speed you select the altitude too so you know we get to choose where what altitude we wanted to be flying at um, and and so on so is there uh, are there situations where you could actually fly inside of a building uh, drones can be flown inside of a building drizzit doesn't really uh, uh, do that um, but you know we, we Today we're keeping all flights initially uh, outside, um, but uh, it is it is possible to fly drones indoors. You know, there's some extremely well um, um, well um, trained pilots that are, can do almost anything. It's pretty amazing what they can do. So okay. here, what uh, what happened is uh, the the drone actually uh, lost connection, uh, and when it lost connection, it's coming back home, right? I so. So that's actually dependent on where I, I set up a, a home base, so I can actually I can actually change it and fly again. So we get permission, uh, but uh, based where you can see it's already above home and coming and landing back uh, safely in the same place. Is that why the so screen, is that why the screen is dark? Then? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, um, because I, I no longer have uh, sort of control over the over the drone. Interesting. Yeah, so I could do anything. So going back to the the pricing model that you have, I'm 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 interested in trying to figure out how much money can I make if I put three of these drones in my backyard. Um, how how would I go about doing the back of the napkin calculations on that? Yeah, um, so it's it's a little early to tell, right? But uh, but let's run some numbers. Um, you know, let's say that you charge, you know, I mean, obviously it depends on where, where you live and whether there's something interesting there, right? But let's assume that you put the drone somewhere uh, where there's interest. So let's say that you put price your flights at 20 bucks per flight, uh, just for the sake of, uh, of argument. So you can, if you have a couple of batteries, you can literally be flying, uh, you know, a flight every half an hour, let's call it. Uh, even even more often, but let's just uh, be conservative and call it every half an hour. So that's two flights an hour. Uh, let's let's call it you know just twelve hours a day of light, say. So that's twenty four uh, flights a day uh, times the twenty. So that's uh, you know so that's twenty four forty eight four hundred eighty dollars per day, right? Almost you know add an extra flight because it's more. Like that's five hundred dollars uh, a day that you could be making. Uh, right, okay. so uh, multiply that by uh, you know thirty, and that is fifteen thousand dollars a month of income, uh, you know, or or one hundred and eighty thousand uh, dollars a year with a drone that costs you know eight hundred dollars, for example. So it's an incredible return of investment. It's like you know, if you if you thought your return was good for buying a home and putting it on Airbnb, this this beats it many times over because it's much less initial capital required. Uh, mm -hmm. And and you can rent it that many more times, uh, you know, a day. So, how much training do I have to have to be a drone owner like that? What th what things do I have um, to know? Do I, do I have to know? Is there? Yeah, you you might want to stop sharing your screen if we're not going to use that anymore because I don't think they can see us when we talk either. Uh, sounds good. Uh, I'll I'll do that. Um, um so um, you know the. the Drizzit is really easy to use, right? So, um, if you want to become a certified uh, pilot in the FA, you know, has courses. But, but it, you know, in terms of using Drizzit, it's extremely easy. You, um, you can learn it. You can learn it. We've had uh, seventy-six-year-olds, you know, learn it in the first slide, and we've had, you know, kids uh, learning right away. So, I think it's really easy to use. Okay. Um, so, does it? Um... Now the the use cases nobody knows about Drizzit just yet. Um, well, yeah. So I'm I'm curious as to where you're at as a company. So I mean, are you profitable? Do you got cash flow? Do you have actual customers? Are you an alpha? Just kind of walk us through like what you would tell a VC. 
Yeah, we're we're in beta right now, so it's, it's the platform is available. Uh, and, you know, but uh, we are uh, we're taking our input and and you know improving it every week. Uh, and so it's 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 ready, but in early stages. Um, let me. I'm gonna uh, move something outside so we can do another mission flight because I think it'd be more fun. Uh, okay. If we do an, an, an interrupted one. Just a second here. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Okay. All right, well, fifty thousand a month. That's just like cash in the bank. All right. Yeah. Well, you don't need to be where you put it, right? You can you can partner with somebody who you know is in the interesting spots of the world. Right. Uh, so right. that's that's part of the beauty. That's true. Um, yeah. Are you thinking yeah. about like sporting events or like live streaming weddings? Like the whole family can't make it there to, to Dubai or wherever you're having your wedding, but you know you can set up little drone fleets and have somebody like choreographs it and give different shots. I don't know. Like I, I could see entertainment being pretty cool with this. I mean, you have to compete with meta because they can just program anything they want to in the entire world. But yeah, this does have some, some compelling possibilities for sure. So I'm, I'm trying to sort through in my mind, what's, what's a more profitable geography uh, to put something like this. Is there certain locations that, these things would get used all the time. Um, it, it, like a downtown area, would that get used quite a bit? Would the news stations want to command your drone if something's going on? Um, and then I think the news first option for news is a great use case, right? Like if you are news, you want to be able to be there first. What what faster way to get there instead of braving traffic than to have a you know, a drone that can get there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So rather than drive across town, you can just grab a drone and uh, start uh, seeing what it, seeing what you see then. You could have pulse pricing, right? So if you've got drones that are kind of nearby and a bunch of different news stations want to, to use your drone to fly over the scene of the crime, you could price gouge them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And construction monitoring. Think about you're building something and you'd like to be able to see it rather than, you know, than just, you know, not. Uh, I think that's another big use case. We're looking at the drone again uh, and we're ready to take off. So I'm going to take it off on the mission again. Uh, so there I just press the button to take off and I'm seeing the drone take off and it goes up vertically and, uh, and it moves towards the first waypoint. There we're seeing uh, Pasadena City Hall under the beautiful clouds. It's a rather cloudy uh, Southern California day, uh, not not very usual here. Um, and there we are already looking at the target of the mission, which is St. Andrew's uh, Church. So it's uh, it's climbed up uh, now more to clear the bell tower, and it's headed towards the church. And during that time, I control the joystick to tell it where uh, where to look. So I, we can look down, for example, and see how we're looking down over there, and then I can go up and look up again. So we control it even as the drone path is fixed on a mission. Uh, the, the you know the use Drizzit user, what we call the Drizzitter, can actually control the camera to look wherever they want to look. And not only that, they can also pause the mission again. So I'm going to go ahead and, and click on pause here to show you uh, there. Pause. I can also do it with the keyboard. And there, there it is paused. So I, I like this view, and so I can go ahead and watch. I can also zoom in. So let's go ahead and and, and zoom in there with. The zoom in key um, and maybe zoom in again and zoom in again. So we really have a good uh, view of the, the time and the clock, for example. Then I can zoom out again. Uh, and when I want, I can resume flight. So I'm going to click on resume. And now the drone continues on the path that it, it had reprogrammed to go on. So it's a really nice kind of the best of both worlds of the, the safety and control of, um, of keeping it in a, in a predefined path. But at the same time, giving the viewer the possibility of zooming in, zooming out, um, you know, pausing, resuming, as well as as uh, orienting the camera, and the and the zoom is client uh, side, so we can actually look at that beautiful view of the, of the tower. Um, it's client side, so different people can be zoomed in at different levels, right? So somebody could be looking at the big picture while somebody oh, else. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. How is that look possible? That beautiful it's, it's view. One is it are there multiple cameras how does that work how is uh, it no it's because it's it's uh so th that's for the digital zoom right so the you know optical would be a single one but the, the digital zoom can be controlled um the client side. oh i see i see so 
Yeah. So there it is. There's that, that tour of uh, pilgrimage to St. Andrews. Um, isn't it a beautiful church? It is. Yeah, it's very pretty. Yeah. And, you know, you could be anywhere in the world and doing that tour. <laughs> so so how, how noisy is this drone? Um, I mean, does uh, does it irritate the people that it's flying close to? It's really not noisy as soon as it's, you know, several yards away, right? So if you have it right there, then it makes noise. Um, but as soon as it goes up to a flight altitude, you can't really hear, hear it. Okay. Um, and as, as one use case, um, I talked about flying inside of buildings. It would actually make sense to be able to fly inside of a parking garage, as an example, if somebody lost their car and you're trying to track down a car. Um, it, is that a possibility or is that something in the future? It's a possibility in the future um, because in, inside you can't use GPS, and so you have to use other technologies to navigate, which are, are possible, uh, but they're they're just not implemented today. So you can see the the drone there honing in on the home base, which it kind of came from. Oh, That's really cool! Wow, is that actually on the table? Like, is that how it knows it tries to find that, or is that just super it is on the it is on the table? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't need to take off on the table, but this one is on the table. And you can see it landed right on the orange base where it came out of, right? <laughs> so. well, that's pretty cool. Hello, this is Trent Fowler, co-host of the Futurati podcast. One of the most common pieces of marketing advice I've come across is to know your audience and give them what they want. One difficulty in podcasting is that it's actually pretty hard to do this. None of the major platforms give us any way to reach out to you, our listeners, to find out what you enjoy about the Futurati podcast and what you'd like to see done differently. So we've decided to record this commercial and ask you directly to reach out to us. Head over to futuratipodcast.com, go to the contact page, and drop us a line. Tell us about your favorite and least favorite episodes, what you'd like to see us cover in the future, and anything else you want us to know. We produce this show for you, and we want your advice so we can make it even better. Thank you. How many users do you have? Oh, um, let's see. So uh, I need to look. I don't. I don't actually remember. Um, but uh, we've had close to a thousand flights. We're just about to uh, come upon our thousand flight. Okay, that's pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about the use cases. I mean, that's sort of been the central theme of the the conversation. So, I mean, which of the use cases would you say you're most excited about? We've mentioned construction monitoring, infrastructure monitoring, tourism of various kinds, uh, maybe something like live streaming a wedding. There's, there's all sorts of stuff. Like, what what's the one that you're the, the coolest that you feel is the most interesting? I'll give you two. So. Um... On the one hand, I'm really excited about the security use case, the the the, the Drizzt Escort. Um, I mean, I, unfortunately, if you do a new search for colleges, uh, you know, campus assault, campus murder, you have any day of the week, you have a whole bunch of results. I mean, uh, you know, there's literally everyday examples, and so that is such a preventable thing. I mean, how, you know, they say only mushrooms grow in the dark, right? It's like as soon as you light something up. As soon as you know that people people know they're being watched, uh, it, it will be a completely different uh, story. There's a reason that more crime happens at night than during the day, and so those crimes I think are are very preventable. And if we can you know save one uh, you know student from from being assaulted or murdered, then that would be an incredible result, and I'm confident we can. Uh, so I think that one is particularly exciting. Um, and as a as a parent, I I really empathize with that one. Um, beyond that, on a personal basis, I love to travel. I mean, if you read my book, 101 Clues to a Happy Life, you know, there's a whole clue about travel. And, and I've surveyed people. Uh, I like to start by asking people, tell me about your the five favorite things, you know, you do in your life. And I have yet to find somebody who doesn't list travel in their, in their top five. And then I ask them, you know, how often do you do those Five things, and then they say, "Well, I spend time with my kids every day. I spend time with my significant other other every couple of days, and I travel, you know, two two times a year, you know, maybe maybe three times a year." So there's this huge mismatch between how or you know how often people would like to travel and how often they actually travel. Uh, that's very different from every other favorite activity they have. Like if they like to run, they run all the time. They don't run twice a year. Um, but travel happens to be extremely expensive, both in time and money. And so people just don't do it as much as they'd like to. 
And if I think that Drizzt has the potential to completely change that, you know, instead of watching yet another series, I mean, like I just finished uh, watching the last uh, Game of Thrones, uh, you know, the prequel. And, <laughs> yep. and so it just finished season one and it's literally announced that we don't get another one until 2024. It's unbelievable, right? So between now and 2024, 20, 20, you know, we could be, you know, what do we do tonight, honey? Oh, let's let's go to Bali. You know, let's go to a you know a village in you know in you know in south of France. And I think that's that really has a potential. For, you know, first of all, I think it'll be really fun. Second, it'll get people of the world to get to know each other better. And you know, people don't like to bomb people they've broken bread with and seen and so on. So I think if we get to see that, you know, other people are just like us, maybe, maybe it'll bring the world a little more, uh, more together and a little bit more peaceful. So can, can, can you actually mount like a 4k video camera on it so that uh, you could actually take high res videos? Oh, absolutely. I forgot to show you that, but yeah, that, that that's uh, already there. So we, at any point in the flight, you can film, take video, high resolution, uh, or okay. you can take photos and it takes beautiful photos and, and video. Yeah. The other thing I should say, two more things I'll say um, from a sustainability perspective, right? The number of flights and commutes and drives that Drizzy can avoid, it, it's huge, right? Every time that somebody's going there to see something or to take something, you know, Drizzy can avoid the trip. They don't need to fly there. They don't need to drive it. Like, you know, uh, I mean, I heard a friend who works in Rick Caruso's uh, construction company. He's one of the two leading candidates for uh, being the mayor of LA. You know, they, they drive a drone across town to a construction site, fly it, you know, bring it back, drive across town again, upload the videos, and then wait a week to do it again. Grizzly could avoid all of that, uh, you know, let alone flights to go do that. So I think there's a huge sustainability impact. And the last thing you I'll say is, it. I think... You, you could automate well, you could automate it too. Yeah. You could you could totally automate it and have it periodically, yes. Um, but also there's an economic empowerment uh, issue, right? One of the things that always, you know, I've traveled, I've been to 73 countries, and one of the things that amazes me the most is the different in purchasing power uh, in different countries, right? You can, how far your dollar stretches in Colombia or in Bali. Um, and so those people, if you gave people there a chance to earn an income stream in dollars, it, it's a game changer, right? Like, uh, you know, a dollar a day goes goes a long way in some of those countries. So imagine them being able to sell, a, you know, a drizzit for 10 bucks or 20 bucks, uh, let alone many of them a day. It's a complete game changer in terms of economic empowerment for those people. Uh, and I think that that is really exciting too. Are you enjoying this episode of the Futurati podcast? If so, please like it. Give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. By far, the best way to help us grow is to spread the word on social media, which will expose our content to more people and help us continue to bring you interviews with world-leading experts in AI, quantum computing, cryptocurrencies, and so much more. Thank you in advance. So so what? let's go back to what part of a city would be the most profitable. I mean, what... Uh, what use cases would actually drive uh, drive revenues? I mean, would it be close to a stadium? Would it be close to uh, city hall? Would it be close to courthouses, uh, city parks? Um, do you have any sense of that just yet? I think it's early to know, but I uh, but we can we can speculate. Um, so I think that anywhere close to a, a tourist attraction is definitely an interesting place, right? So um, you know, for example, anywhere on the beach where surfers go, making that a, today surfers use this you know surfer cams that are far away and you could barely see if they're surf or not. Imagine instead being able to fly you know drizzle there, be able to take footage and video of you surfing, uh, you know, close up. You know, not only is it much better to know how good the surface before you decide to go there, but you can actually, instead of, I mean, there's kids that tell their dad, dad, look at me in this webcam, that little dot over there, that's me. Oh, great. You know, what if you could actually see the kid and zoom in and so on and follow him? So I think that um, anything anywhere along the coast, I think is interesting. Anywhere touristic is interesting. And then, you know, anywhere where there's roofs, where there are people either constructing or, you know, anytime there's a home sale, there's somebody that needs to do a home inspection and a home appraisal. On all of those need to look at the condition of the roof. Uh, and, you know, it's much safer and cheaper to fly a drone there than it is to send somebody who could fall. And so if you're close to that, and that's of interest to the to the person buying the home, it's of interest to uh, the lenders, 
that uh, you know so it, there's a lot of people that I think, you know would pay for that data too so i think those are some of the examples uh, where where there would be value so and anyway if... close to wildlife too right like i tell you one of the first visits uh, close to my home uh, in the san gabriel mountains you know, spotted a bear and started, you know, following the bear. And that was, you know, super fun for the, for the drizzers. So if I wanted to get into the drizzit business, um, could I uh, take my drone to a certain location during the day and then pick it up at night? Um, maybe rent a square foot of space from on, on a backyard of somebody's house. Um, uh, cut them a slice of the profit. Would that make sense? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You could stake out the most interesting. I mean, this is a little bit like being at the beginning of the internet era where the people, you know, the people who were savvy, they started buying up sex.com and dogs.com and, you know, cars.com. And at the beginning, people probably looked at them and said, what are you talking about? What is this internet? Nobody's on it. What are you talking about? And, and those people made out like, you know, bandits. Uh, it was a great, you know, foresightful investment. This is the same. You could start, you know, staking out the most interesting locations in the world uh, and start attracting, you know, traffic and, and, and reviewers there. Absolutely. And you, you let me show you. So you, there's a couple of ways to do it. One is to have a person uh, there to, you know, that turns it on and, and replaces the battery when needed. Um, and obviously with the no, kind of numbers we've gone through, you can, you can totally pay for that. Now, another way is to have what we call the drone nest. So let me actually uh, show you that. I'm sharing my screen again now. And so what we're seeing uh, is uh, a drone nest where the drone can be safely um, protected from the elements and then uh, opened up remotely through Drizzit. Uh, and then the drone can be flown back right into the nest uh, and stored. Uh, for for the next flight. And and not only that, but the nest can automatically swap batteries. So let me show you here, battery swapping. These are uh, robotic arm swapping the batteries and charging the other five batteries. So you can literally have almost no downtime. The drone comes in, gets battery swapped, and within a couple of minutes is offline again. You know, have two of these and you can have, literally have 24 seven uh, coverage. So you literally could put some of these, you know, in different locations of the world and not need any person there at all. Will, will wow. the platform support building like simple applications on top? Yes, absolutely. Uh, our, our, our intent is, is to make this a platform available to, for developers to build on top. Yeah. And you can build machine uh, vision applications, machine learning applications, all kinds of interesting things. And the first thing that occurred to me was maybe trying to build alternative data sets that uh, investment firms might use to craft strategies. You know, so you, you can short a business on the basis of satellite images of the parking lots and just notice over time that the number of cars that are parked there is going down and, and that can form the basis of a, a sensible strategy. So I'm just thinking like with, uh, tracking shipping lanes, that's not a great example because the drone couldn't fly over the ocean like that, but you, know, you, you could monitor the harbor, you could uh, you, you could check on the state of the Amazon rainforest and, and you know place bets on lumber on the basis of that or, or deciduous forests in North America. I mean, you see where I'm going with this, right? So you yeah. might build a little application that did that and parse the data and expose it as an API. I mean, I could think of several different ways you could build a business on top of that. So, I mean, yeah. talk to me, talk to border, me about that. Border patrol. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think those are great points. Yeah, that, that is absolutely fascinating. So uh, what's, so you have the the little parking garage for the drone and um, with the battery robot inside. what What's the total cost of a package like that? The um, drone nest today go for about uh, 20K. Okay. And I think they're going to get significantly less expensive over time. Um, but today that's about what they cost. Um, now, do you do you make those, or does some company make those? No, that, that that's that's the partners. Okay. Um, all right. So that would take a, a bit to pay for itself at this point. Well, I mean, again, if if you uh, can really make five hundred dollars a day, uh, then you know, then it takes forty days to pay for that, right? So, which is a lot sooner than an Airbnb investment pays for itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How easy okay. is it to, to outfit the drones with alternative um, sensory apparatuses? Like if I wanted LIDAR, is that something I could do? Um, 
I believe so. Uh, so it depends on the on the drone. Um, you know, some of them already come with uh, you know two cameras, infrared camera, for example. Um, some of them come with speakers. Some of them come with lights. Um, so all of those are sort of out of the box options uh, if you have the right drone. Um, but obviously, anything can be outfitted. I'm just thinking like. LIDAR is changing the way archaeology is done because now you can aim LIDAR at these dense forests and actually see the ruins, which otherwise you'd have no idea where to look and you can't chop the entire forest down. But this way you can actually pinpoint it a little bit more. And I'm just thinking about ways you could supercharge amateur archaeology. And occasionally people find these things. They, they find these sunken ruins off the, the coast of you know some city in the Mediterranean and nobody noticed it before, but it's there on Google Images and they're just kind of going through the data and they're like, look at that, that's kind of weird. And they find some 2000 year old site nobody ever know about, knew about before. And something like this, if, if you had the right equipment for it and maybe computer vision algorithms on top to sort of sift through the data, you could do some really cool, cool shit with it. Oh, so you're yeah, looking, looking for, yeah, Trent's looking for sunken treasures. I'm yeah. sure. So how can I make investment strategies on it? How can I find sunken? Yeah. Like you can see where yeah. I'm. It's the pirate ship. She's going after pirate ships. I know. I want to make billions with it. How do I do it? <laughs> do you need a dynamic and knowledgeable speaker for an event? Thomas Fry and me, Trent Fowler, are both seasoned keynote speakers able to converse on a wide array of topics to audiences of all sizes and skill levels. Go to the contact page at futuratipodcast.com to book Thomas or myself today and let us apply our years of experience in public speaking to make your event a smashing success. Yeah, yeah I think Drizzard Ecology is a really fun application. Yeah, so it seems like we're real early on and so... Uh, this seems like a, a moldable project at this point. Um, and it doesn't doesn't take much to call up Alex and say, how about this idea? And how about that idea? Uh, how many people do you have working in the company right now? Oh, it's a, uh, it's a small group. It's a handful. Okay. And uh, now are you, are you working? Uh, are you VC funded? Are you, um, you self-funded? Uh, no, we are uh, neither. We are funded by private investors, but not uh, VCs. Uh, so that's that's an, an interesting. Uh, as an interesting aside, I'm I'm giving a TEDx talk on Friday in Silicon Valley, and I can give you a, a sneak preview uh, that VC-backed companies, on average, uh, die. Uh, you know, three three to four hundred percent more often than non-VC-backed companies. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, money is good, but, but, uh, but governance is even more important. Okay. Interesting. I wonder if there's like a survivorship bias effect there. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Well, we, we actually, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I just like, it could just be that VCs fund a lot more companies and they take bigger risks. And so you'd expect a lot more of them to die just because they're swinging for the fences in, in ways that other companies aren't. And if a company doesn't need VC money, presumably it's because they have their own internal endogenous source of funding. And so that they're just automatically in a stronger position. Like I, I would want to dig into that. I'm a data scientist. So like my first thought is, well, there's probably more to that, you know, and like, I want to get into it and look at the charts. <laughs> well, I, so we, I did get into it. And so, it, um, because I've I've served in a number of board of directors, and so I I came up with a hypothesis that um, well, first of all, I know the board of directors really matter. The board of directors can kill a company, um, and so I came up with a hypothesis that and, and the main job of the, of the board of directors is to actually evaluate and uh, hire and fire the CEO. So my hypothesis was well, perhaps if you want to be good at evaluating, hiring, and firing CEOs, it would help to have been a CEO at some point in your career. Uh, and, and so I looked at the data. So I compared the most successful companies um, in the data set I used. And I, I looked literally thousands of companies that the data set I used uh, had the amount of funding for me. So I looked at the ones that had raised the most funding. So these are massively successful companies. Um, and then compared them to the, all the companies that had died last quarter, literally, you know, shut down. And I looked at the board of directors composition for each. And there were massive differences. So the, 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 the companies that did well had more than twice as many CEOs uh, in proportion in the board of directors and about half as many professional investors in the board of directors. 
Uh, so oh, it turns out that if you if if you if you want to make sure the ship doesn't crash, it helps to have people who know how to navigate. And if you want to you know get a company to succeed, it helps <laughs> to have people on the board who know something about running a company. It does doesn't seem like that's the sort of thing that should have required a lot of data science, but I'm glad you did it. Um, can well, you tell us the, the, the the incredible thing is that it goes counter to what uh, you know people are doing. So two thirds of the of the board of directors appointments uh, last year were non CEOs, uh, you know, according to a study by Corn Ferry. And um, and VCs, you know, the best VCs appoint really, really experienced people. So, for example, I'll tell you, you know, Andreessen Horowitz, one of the most, uh, you know, prestigious VC firms in the world. You know, they have, for example, a partner called Jeff Jordan. He was this, you know, CEO of OpenTable. He had been at Disney. He had been at eBay. He had run another uh, company. So, of course, when he gets appointed to the uh, board of directors of Airbnb, you know, Airbnb becomes a massive success. And when he gets appointed to Pinterest board, Pinterest is a massive success and, and so on and so forth. The list goes on and on. That's not what I call a professional investor. That's somebody who has a career as a, you know, as a CEO who then you know, decided to, uh, to invest. Uh, so those are, but the, but, but the standard technique among plenty of venture capitalists and private equity firms is to just appoint somebody who's a professional investor to board as if it was the same. Um, and really they're, they're, you know, look at, would you ever appoint the person who got the, the money for building a hospital to, uh, to do the heart surgery on you? Would you appoint a guy who got the money to uh, get the <laughs> Boeing 747 to fly the pilot, fly the plane? So why are we appointing no, the people? No, I would not. <laughs> exactly. And yet we are routinely, VCs are routinely appointing the people who raise the money to oversee the company, run the company, okay. run the board, which runs the company. Well, that, that was, that was a fun rant. Uh, what, will, you, will you wrap <laughs> up here by telling us, telling us what's next for Drizzt? What, what are the plans over the rest of this year and 2023? Uh, we are uh, getting ready to launch a, a big city uh, for code enforcement, uh, right? So if you're a city official and you're facing somebody who tells you, uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm up to uh, code and, and <laughs> well, look, I'm looking at it in real time. No, you're not. Uh, and so uh, that's one application we're looking at. We are uh, talking to um, some very big people in the travel world uh, for, for some of the travel applications we talked about, uh, oil and gas um, and uh, construction monitoring, um, as well as um, as utilities infrastructure monitoring. So, all these applications we're we're in the process of uh, getting ready to um, launch and you know demonstrate those use cases. So that's that's what's next. That's fantastic. Can you Very tell cool. the audience where they can go to find out more about you and this amazing project? Thank you. Um, yeah, Drizit is uh, at drizit.com. That's D-R-I-S-I-T, as in drone visit. You know, this was something uh, so new that we had to invent a new word uh, to describe it. And uh, luckily, nobody had thought of the word Drizzit before, so the website was available. <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and then uh, people can contact me at, at uh, alex at drizzit.com um, if they, uh, you know, one of the, if, you know, if you Google me, uh, Alex Becker, uh, or actually there's, there's a lot of information at the book's website, 101clues.com, and that's 101clues.com. Fantastic. Well, Alex Becker, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, Thank thanks, you. Alex. Pleasure this to is, be here. This is great, Alex. Appreciate it. Oh, appreciate you having me here anytime. It's, uh, you guys are a really fun uh, bunch and really great questions. Fantastic. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>